All right, so if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. Last, so we're working through, you know, what is prayer? What does the Bible teach us that prayer is? And we're starting to now look through the Lord's Prayer here. If we're going to figure out what prayer is, why not let Jesus sort of teach us this is what prayer is. And so as we're walking through the Lord's Prayer, we're now looking at the first requests in our prayer. So if we know what prayer is now, we know that prayer is asking the Lord these things. Well, well, what sort of things should we ask? And we go to the Lord's Prayer and it is this list of requests that the Christian can and really the Christian should bring to God. Requests that we've seen will always be answered by the Lord. Uh, and so we saw that Jesus begins uh, our prayers by thinking about God rather than ourselves. So as we're looking at what Jesus is saying when he says, Father, holyfy your name, hallowed be your name. He's teaching us right off the bat, your name, your kingdom, your will. For the Christian, when we're praying, God should be more of a concern than ourselves. We should be more motivated uh, to pray because of God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will than we are than when trouble comes because of our names or our kingdoms or our wills, what we want for us. And so we see already just uh, Jesus teaching us that, that the Lord should be our chief care, our chief desire. And then we saw, what does it mean? To holify the name of God. What does it mean to, when we say, Father, hallowed be your name, what are we actually asking God to do? And we saw that the word hallow, although it's a word we don't use very often. Uh, in fact, if someone used it, you'd probably be thrown off a little bit. Uh, if someone used the word hallowed, uh, it just means to make something holy. And the word holy just means to set something apart, to, to treat it as distinct, as, as different. And so another way you could translate this, hallowed be your name, is holified be your name, or make holy your name. And so when we say that, holified be your name, we're saying we want God to be treated as holy. That's what we're asking. This first request, when Jesus says, all right, this is what I want you to pray. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What are we asking? We're asking that our desire is for God to be treated as holy, as distinct, as set apart, to give him. This is where we went to the book of Revelation where it talks about what are we doing when we hallow something? We saw that to hallow the Lord is to give him glory, it's to give him honor, it's to give him thanks, and it's to give him power. And so if we're going to be people who holify, who want God's name to be made holy, who holify the name of God, if we want the world to do that, then we've got to make sure that we're doing that in our own lives. And that's where we ended last week. That we, in our lives, if we're going to pray, God, hallowed be your name. God, holy be your name. God, holified be your name. Make your name holy, God. If that's our prayer, then we should see that. Not just in our desire, not just looking at the broken world and going, man, this world is messed up. They're not treating God as holy. We need to begin by looking at our lives and say, do I give God glory in my life? Is my life filled with honoring the Lord? Is the way that I live a, a, a life filled with thanks to God? Am I, am I giving God all the power in my life or am I snatching it power for myself, only giving God little bits, little pieces? Are we holifying the name? Are we treating God as 
holy. That's where the battle for the holiness of God's name is going to begin in his people, in, in, in us. And so let's read the Lord's Prayer again together. We're going to continue to walk through this idea of, of hallowed be your name. And we're going to see why it is so important that we do this. Because God is going to take very seriously the hallowing of his name. So let's stand in the honor of reading God's word. We're so thankful that we have his word. Uh, and like we saw a few weeks ago, not just fire from heaven and lightning. And or as Zachary read this morning, not a, a breath of his nostril that, you know, shakes the very foundations of the earth. So listen to what our father has taught us about prayer through the words of his son uh, as the Holy Spirit inspired Matthew to write them. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Our Father who is in heaven, We want your name to be made holy today. And may it begin here in how we treat you. May we give you all glory, all thanks, all honor, all power to you. May we worship you because you are worth every bit of our worship. There is no one worthy like you. We are here in your name and we pray in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so that's, we're looking at this first phrase, hallowed be your name. So we're asking God, God, please make your name holy. Uh, and like I said, now, now one of the things about the Lord's Prayer when you go through it is the Lord's Prayer is 100% effective. The Lord's Prayer has never not been answered when someone prays it. Because not when you're praying the Lord's Prayer, you're going to see that you're, not only are you praying things that God has promised that he will do these things, he, he tells us that these are things he is already doing. And in fact, and many of them already has done them. And so we're going to see that the hallowing of God's name is no different. That God has been working to make his name holy. So when we ask God, God, Holify your name. We're not asking God to do something new. We're asking God to do what he already does. What he already has been doing. In fact, God has been working to hallow his name. God has been hallowing his name since the beginning. So the first thing I want us to see is that God defends the holiness of his name. We're going to talk about why is it so important that we would ask God, God, holify your name. And we want to, we see how God is already doing that. First thing we want to see is God defends the holiness of his name. God very much. So when we're praying for God's name, it's not like God is up there going, oh, guys, I don't want to make it about me. Uh, God very much cares about whether or not his name is treated as holy. In fact, he will defend the holiness of his name. Now, we know that God cares about his name from the very beginning of the life of Israel, right? You go all the way back to the Ten Commandments and look at Exodus chapter 20. I mean, I could ask you right now, but you'd feel thrown on the spot and so no one would answer. Uh, if I said, what is the third commandment? Well, what is the third commandment? Do not what? You're all just frozen in fear. Uh, right. It's, it is, as one of you said it, but look at Exodus chapter 20, verse seven. We'll just read it. 
The third commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now that word vain just means empty, uh, means to treat it as, as worthless, uh, something that is useless, something that, it, that is, is false. All of, all of these words are the really, and when you look at that, use his name in vain. This is just saying the opposite of the word holy. Every single one of those is the opposite of the, so if holy means set apart, distinct, different, special, to use the Lord's name in vain is to treat God's name, in other words, as unholy. Do not treat my name, do not use my name as if I am not holy, as if I am plain. Now, what's interesting is when you look at just like the first three requests in the Lord's Prayer are about God, the first three commandments are about how to treat the Lord. No other gods, no carved images that you bow down and serve instead of Him, no misusing, no devaluing the name of God. And one of those three warnings is, hey, so you got these three commandments, first three commandments of the Ten Commandments is about how you treat God, no other gods, don't make any images and worship those, and then don't treat my name as unholy. Don't treat my name, don't treat, and we saw this last week, that his name, this isn't just about whether, when you say the word God versus the word gosh or something like that. Like that's not, that's not the only way that you, that's treating God's name as vain, as worthless. His name is about how you treat, like it's, if you're not, if you're not, when we look back at Revelation last week, if you're not giving God glory, thanks, honor, and all the power in your life, you are treating God as vain. You are treating his name as a vain thing. You're breaking the third commandment. And you can go around all day and never say, you know, any of those foul words. But if, if you're treating God as someone who doesn't deserve every area of your life, then you're treating God like he's just like all the other false gods of this world. And so the first three commandments, one of the first three commandments is God telling us, hey, do not treat my name. Do not treat who I am as if I am a plain thing as if I am not holy. So God defends his name. And in fact, when you go, when God's name is treated as worthless, we talk about God defending his name. He isn't, he doesn't just do it passively. When God defends his name, he's not just like, hey, don't do that. God actually goes out to not only defend it, but avenge it. So if you look at Leviticus chapter 20, Leviticus chapter 20 is interesting. This is a chapter that needs to be read in America over and over again. Because it's, one, it's the first time in the Bible. So just in Leviticus 20, it's the first time in the Bible that, the, that stoning is mentioned. So this act. First time anyone, Bible ever says, someone does this, you stone them. First mention of it. And it's an important chapter for us in America because it's a, it's a chapter really about abortion, about ki- the killing of children. And not just about that, but about what a nation does in response to people killing their children. So really important chapter for us. But Leviticus 20, verses 1 through 5. We're going to see how it's important also for the name of God. It says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Say to the people of Israel, 
Any one of the people of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel, who gives any of his children to Molech, shall surely be put to death. So this is a false god that they would go and they'd sacrifice their children to for blessings from that god. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I myself will set my face against that man and will cut him off among his people because he's given one of his children to Molech to make my sanctuary unclean and to profane my holy name. And if the people of that land do at all, at all, close their eyes to that man when he gives one of his children to Molech, and do not put him to death, then I will set my face against that man and against his clan and will cut them off from among their people, him and all who follow him in whoring after Molech. So here God says, that, look, if anyone murders their child, anyone gives them to Molech, and they do this with, with these young children, their babies, and he says, if that happens, you will stone that person, and more importantly, God will set his face, because your stoning is just temporary. Not only is that going to happen, God will set his face against that person, and God will cut them off. And if the people act like they don't see the murdering, and this is why, Cough, America, cough. If the people act like they don't see the murdering and they don't put that person to death, then not only will God set his face against the one who murdered their child, but also against his face against those who did nothing. They too, God says, are guilty. But why? Why this response? Look at what it says. Why is God so mad about this? I mean, this is the death of, of one of his image bearers, one of his most ho- uh, helpless image bearers. It is, it's actually interesting when you look in Leviticus 20, it's the murder of the seed. He doesn't, in Leviticus 20, he doesn't use the normal word for child. Ben, whatever, he uses the word for seed. So you got all sorts of tying to the promise of Abraham, the promise back to Adam in the garden and the seed and the woman, all of that. But those aren't the ultimate reasons he mentions, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you wanna, you're going to stone him. I'm going to set my face against him because they've killed this child. He actually builds. What does he say? He tells him, it tells him at the end of verse 3. So look at the end of verse 3. What does he say? I will set my face against that man and will cut him off because, why? Because he's given one of his children to Molech. But even that's not why God is so mad. Because he's given him to Molech, which, which does what? What does giving the children do? He says, to make my sanctuary unclean. And what? And to profane my holy name. God is angered, sets his face against this person, and sets his face against anyone who doesn't do anything about what this person has done. Why? Because that person has profaned his name. They've killed their child. And killing their child has made his sanctuary unclean and it has profaned his name. So you, you end their life because God is defending the holiness of his name. God is angered because they, those actions profane his name. You, you look, look at Isaiah 48. Isaiah 48, God's people are rebellious. He's going to send them into exile. He's going to hurl them from the promised land, just like he hurled the people from the Tower of Babylon. 
But then he promises to gather them back. Why? Why is God going to gather back this rebellious people? He tells us in Isaiah 48, 10 and 11. He says, behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. Why? For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. So he says here, why did God refine his wayward people? Why does he send them through the refiner's fire? Why does he, why does he bring them back? Why does he afflict them? What was the purpose of their affliction? Why did God afflict the people and force him to leave the promised land and allow these invasions? Because why? He says, for the sake of his name. That his name would not be profaned. So God's people had been profaning his name. They'd been treating his name as worthless, as plain, as normal. And he says, I'm going to afflict you. Because I will not let my name be treated as unholy. You see the same thing, Malachi chapter 2, verse 2. He says this, if, if you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. So here, here he says, look, if God's people don't honor his name, God, again, actively defends his name. He's not just back there telling his people, look, guys, stop. Stop, guys. Really, it's my name. I want you to treat it as holy. Please, please. He actively defends it. And here he says, you don't honor my name. I'm going to send curses upon you. I'm going to curse even your blessings. And he says, and, and I've actually already started to do that. Because you haven't taken the holiness of my name to heart. And this is again why we get into it. It's not just about what your lips do, but it's about your life. It's about not just treating God's name in the things that you say, but in how you live. And look at the extent of his anger. Look at the next verse, Malachi 2.3. He says, Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. So if you don't treat God's name as holy, not only are your blessings turned to curses, not only will you face his wrath, so will your offspring. Even our offerings, he says, will be like nothing more than dung and he will actually take that dung and smear it on our faces and send us into affliction all because why because we are not treating his name as holy we see a similar warning in leviticus 22 leviticus 22 verses 1 through 3 And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons so that they abstain from the holy things of the people of Israel, which they dedicate to me so that they do not profane my holy name. I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. 
Say to them, if anyone of all your offspring throughout your generations approaches the holy things that the people of Israel dedicate to the Lord while he has uncleanness, that person shall be cut off from my presence. I am the Lord. And so it's important here, the people, are, the people are supposed to, Leviticus 22, people are supposed to stay away from things dedicated to the Lord, supposed to stay away from these holy things. Why? Because if they treat those things as common, if they treat the things dedicated, set holy to the Lord, if they treat those things as unholy, they're actually treating God's name as unholy. And it's not. What does he say? They treat it, they profane my holy name. The way you treat these things shows how you feel about me. And he says, my holy name, I am Yahweh. And he gives that name that he has given himself. So all the way back with Moses, he says, I am, and we translate it just the Lord, but capital L-O-R-D. He says, you, you think my name is plain? I am Yahweh. I am the one true God. And when you treat my holy things as plain, you're treating me as plain. And he says, if you do that, and if any one of your children throughout your generations does that, that child, you and that child will be cut off from the Lord's presence. So if we're looking at, we're we're praying, Lord, hallowed be your name. We can see that we're praying something God very much cares about. God defends his holy name. But but not only does God defend his holy name, the next thing we're going to see is God advances the holiness of his name. In other words, God's not just playing defense the whole time. God is actively working to advance the holiness of his name. And that's that's really the idea behind the word holify. It's It's not to make God's name more holy as if it isn't, already a thousand times holy but rather the prayer is let people see you as holy let 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 not god make your name holy as if it's not but god let the world see you as holy you'll get ezekiel chapter 20 ezekiel chapter 20 so so ezekiel chapter 20 god is is answering a question about the exodus that's the context here why did, God, why did God save the people from Egypt? Why did God do that? What, what was his motivation? Right? He, he heard their cry. We know that. But he heard the cry of a people who weren't righteous in Egypt. And God, said that, God says that his people had been rebellious, yet he saved them from Egypt in spite of themselves. Why did God rescue his people from the hands of Pharaoh? He says, for the sake of his name. Look at, it, look at Ezekiel 20 verse 9. But I acted for the sake of my name, that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations among whom they lived, in whose sight I made myself known to them in bringing them out of the land of Egypt. Why did God rescue the Jews from Egypt? Is it because, you know, the people, they're oppressed, and finally they cry out, and the Lord's like, I hear, he says, yeah, I heard, and I realized that my people in slavery in Egypt was profaning my name, and so for the sake of my name, that the Egyptians wouldn't think, they keep calling to Yahweh, and he's doing nothing, like a glorified, uh, you know, 1 Kings 18, with the prophets of Baal, and the prophets of Asherah, and Elijah, right? God's people are crying out in Egypt, and how come God's not rescuing you? 
Right? The same thing that happens on the cross, right? If the Lord really cares, let him do something. And so God says, lest those nations think that I am not God. I rescued my people out of Egypt. Why? Because I cared for them? Certainly. But also, what did he care for? The sake of his name. He cared about his name. And so the Egyptians wouldn't think that he was powerless. He came and he rescued the people. And then, of course, in the story of Exodus, what does he do? He keeps showing over and over that the really powerless ones are the gods that the Egyptians have been trusting in. Uh, and in the end, even Pharaoh, uh, as, as uh, God comes and, and takes the firstborn of the, the entire nation and rescues the people. So why did he do that? He says, for the sake of my name. So that's why God is actively working. He's not only defending the holiness of his name, he's got the Egyptians here. They don't know about Yahweh. The Lord comes and rescues his people. So the Egyptians have to go, Yahweh just rescued his people from us. And our gods were powerless. There is something different about him. You see the same thing in Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36, so God sends his people into exile. He's going to bring them back. It's that great chapter, uh, Ezekiel 36 and 37, where he, he's going to bring them back to the promised land. He's going to, but he's going to do more than that, right? In Ezekiel 36, he's going, to, he's going to save them. He's going to put his spirit inside them. He's going to make their, Ezekiel 37, make their dry bones live. All of this stuff, this great chapter about salvation. But why is God doing any of this? Why is God making their dry bones live? Why is God putting his spirit inside of them? Why is God saving them? Look at verse 20 and 23. But when they came to the nations, wherever they came, they profaned my holy name. And that people said of them, these are the people of Yahweh. And yet they had to go out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they came. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned. Uh, among the nations and which you have profaned among them and the nations will know that I am the Lord declares the Lord God when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes so Ezekiel 36 why does God God rescues his people he redeems his people he saves them why for the sake of his name that his name might not be profaned that his name would be treated as holy. That's why God acts. That's why I said God is actively working to advance the holiness of my name. These nations who have never heard about me, they meet you and you go in and you profane my name to them. And I'm not going to let this nation over here, be it Assyria, be it Babylon, be it Egypt, I'm not going to let them think that Yahweh is nothing. So I will prove my holiness to them. I will save you. I will redeem you. I'll put my spirit inside of you. I will cause your dry bones to live. Why? So that those nations will know that Yahweh is holy. God is actively working to advance the holiness of his name. God says that when he works these things for his people, it will, as rebellious as they've been, actually cause his people 
to treat his name as holy. Causes people to holify his name. Look at Isaiah 29. Now notice, we talked about this last week. Notice this time in, in like in the ESV, it's not going to translate it holy, but it's going to use the word sanctify. It's going to be the same word, but here they decide to use the word sanctify. But again, that's what the word means. The word sanctified means to, to make holy. So Isaiah 29, verses 22 and 23. Therefore, thus says the Lord who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob. Jacob shall no more be ashamed. No more shall his face grow pale. For when he sees his children, the work of my hands in his midst, they will sanctify. They will holify my name. They will sanctify. They will treat as holy the Holy One of Jacob and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. What he's saying here in Isaiah is when when, when the people see God's work, not just among them, but among their children, that's why if you have the Bible app, that's why I shared that verse uh, this morning uh, about God's blessing uh, to our children, that great promise that should stir us to worship because here we see in Isaiah 29, that's exactly what God's work among our children is supposed to cause us to do. He says, when, when, when the people see God's work among their children, what will it cause them to do? It will cause them to holify his name. So God does this. God is going to rescue them and rescue their children for what purpose? When they see, when they see their children, the work of my hands, they will holify my name. They will holify the Holy One of Jacob and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. And I don't know if you've, I don't know, how many of you are parents? Actually, I do know how many of you are parents. You're not, 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 I don't know you. Uh, but I do know this. When we see the Lord working amongst our children, isn't it like the most joyous, awe-inspiring, shameful, humiliating, God-glorifying moment? Uh, is it not our constant prayer that God would do even more of that? And that's why God says, look, when, when they see his children, the work of my hands in his midst, they will sanctify, they will make holy my name. So when you look at these major, so look at, look at the major events in the life of God's people. You've got the giving of the Ten Commandments. You've got the Exodus. You've got the exile, return from exile, sending the exile, return from exile. All of those things, what is God doing in those things? Why does he give this in the Ten Commandments? Why does he, why does he pull them out of the Exodus? Why does he send them to exile? Why does he bring them out of exile? Because God cares about the holiness of his name. All of it is to holify his name, either in defending his holiness or advancing it. In fact, God cares so much about his holy name that he promises he's going to make his name holy, not just among the people of Israel anymore. He is going to take his name to the nations. We saw this in Ezekiel 36. Verse 23. So we saw this verse already. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. So these these nations are already, Romans chapter 1, living in rebellion against God. They're all without excuse. They're all profaning my name. But then my people go there. And what do they do? Instead of saying, oh no, God is great. What do they do? They profane my name as well. So what is he going to do? He says, and the nations will 
know that I am the Lord, uh, declares the Lord God, when through you I will vindicate my holiness before their eyes. God is going to vindicate his holiness. Unfortunately, have to vindicate it despite how his people lived. But look again at Ezekiel 39. Ezekiel 39, just a few chapters later, look at what it says there. Verse 7. And my holy name I will make known in the midst of my people Israel. So this is, we're going, yes, this is what we want. This is what God's going to do uh, in, in the life of his church, right? This is what's still happening. We are his people. We are Israel. We are sons of Abraham by faith. All of these says, I will make my name known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let my holy name be profaned anymore. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. Of course, this is is God ultimately promising to to spread the holiness of his name as, as he spreads the gospel to all of the world. That one day, we know, one day the Bible promises that all of the world will treat the name of God as holy. So when we're talking about the holiness of God's name, God actively works to advance the holiness of his name, and he's done so since the beginning. Defending his holiness, making it known. That's why I say that when you pray this, when you say, Father, holify your name, you're praying something that is 100% effective. When Jesus is asking for this, he's asking what God has already told us in Scripture, he is doing, right? This is what Jesus is praying. So this is Jesus praying what God has already revealed his will and actions to be. So when it comes to the holiness of his name, God defends his holy name, and God holds guilty those who don't hallow his name. So when we pray for God's name to be holified, we're praying for what God has and will continue to do, but we're also praying a small prayer of protection, right? Because if we or our family or our church, or our nation, do not holify the name of God, God will set his face against us. So when we say, Father, holify your name, there should be a plea on our parts. Father, let us, in me... (laughs) Let my life be one that treats your name as holy. Let my family be one that treats your name as holy. Let our church be a place where your name is set above every other name, above the intentions and wills of anybody else. The name we care about more than anything else is yours. And Father, let that be true of our nation. And God, you promise one day this will be true of the entire world. I mean, we just read about it. We just read it in Peter. We just read this. God, we want this. Why? Because if we don't, you will set your face against us. If I don't holify your name, Father, you will set your face against me. If, I prof- if my family profanes your name in how we act or how we live, God, you will set your face against us. If our church is worried more about our name than his name, he will set his face against us. If our nation 
does not care about the holiness of His name, if our nation profanes His name, He will set His face against us. And He will not hold us guiltless if we see them profaning His name and we do nothing about it. If we say nothing about it. We are just as guilty, He says, as they. So when we say, Father, hallow your name, there is a plea there because we know, God, you will defend the holiness of your name. But not only is it a plea, we also know God defends his holy name. He actively works to holify it. He actively works to make his name, to advance the holiness of his name. So what did we see? We see that promise. So there's also, a, there's also as we pray this there's, this, there's this plea, but there's also a clinging to the promise of God. Because what did we see in, in Ezekiel 39? I will make my name known in the midst of my people, and I will make my name holy to the nations. I mean, we, we, when we say, God, holify your name, and we're yearning that he do that in our lives, we don't have to worry that when we say that, God, I really, I really want to treat your name as holy. We don't have to worry about him going, no. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to make my name holy amongst you. Like when you pray that, one, realize that prayer is being stirred by the Father through the Spirit anyway. And so when you pray, God, holify your name in me and in my family, you can know in our church, we can know that is what God has already said he is going to do. When we say holify it, even among the nations, we know that's what he's promised to do. And so we can cling to the promise. We're not just hiding, afraid. When we pray that. Father, please holify it. Father, please holy. Make your name holy because I don't want you to set your face against me. There is an, there, we know that God actively wants his name. He advances the holiness of his name. So when we pray that, we are praying what we already know to be his will. And we are praying something we know God is going to do. He's the one who even caused us to pray it and want it. So when you're crying out, God, I want your name to be treated as holy in my family. And you're looking at your family and you're seeing all the unholy things in your family. You're praying it for your life and you're seeing all the unholy things in your life. Or you're looking at your church and you're seeing the broken things. Or you're looking at your nation and you're trying to find the good thing. How can you have confidence? How can we have, is this just a prayer that we pray and go, yeah, I really wish he'd do that, but there's just no way. I'm too far gone, my family's too far gone, my church is too far gone, or the church is too far gone, our nation is too far gone. No. God advances the holiness of his name. And he promises to work that holiness in your life, the life of your family, in the life of his church, and in the life of his entire creation. So when we pray this, do we, 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 there's a plea, but there's also a clinging to the promise. God, you have said you will do these things, and I am begging you in humility, but also in faith. Please work this in me, in us, in our church, and in our nation, and ultimately in the entire world. Let's pray. as we take a moment to turn to the Lord in prayer because we don't want to just hear these things and be like, oh, I learned it. Time to, I can go and learn another thing now. 
we want these things to be true of us. I mean, we just think about yourself. How do you treat the name of God? How do you treat him? Like if someone looked at how you treat God in in your family and in your life, would they say, man, that person really sets God apart. He is he is glorified in that person's life. He's given honor. That person, their life is filled with thankfulness to God. And man, they give all the power of their life to God. I mean, oh, don't you want you control your own life here? I mean, given all the power to the Lord to tell you what to do. I mean, do they see you as treating God as as holy? Remember, God defends the holiness of his name. And and he won't hold as guiltless those who don't holify his name. So let there be a moment of repentance. If you're looking at your life and you're saying, I haven't been doing these things in my life. We haven't been doing these things as a family. Be shaken. Don't just throw, don't just, don't just write it off as, oh yeah, it's not, it's not a big deal. The Lord still loves me. Everything's still great. Like take this lesson from the Lord and go and repent and say, God, I want your name to be treated as holy in my life. I want it to be treated as holy in my family's life. You know what you're doing when you say that? You are praying the prayer that Jesus just told you to to pray. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holify your name in me, in us. We saw that God acted, not only does God defend the holiness of his name, he he actively advances his holiness. Is God's holiness your concern as well? Is that what you're working to, to do in your life? Is that what you're training your children to do is, is for God's name to be holified in how you live? I mean, that's what we're here to do. That, that's really what everything is here to do. To, to bring holiness to the name of God. To treat as holy the Lord God. And we're going to see even more of that next week. That this is the job of everything and everyone. God, God actively advances his holiness. Are you? Is that your concern? Is that what you're striving to do? The, the, the holiness of God isn't just a doctrine for us. The holiness of God is our mission. It's not just Christian doctrine. It's Christian mission. This is what we should care about because this is what our, our father cares about. The holiness of his name. May we work to advance that holiness in our lives in our families, in our churches, in our nation, and in the world. Father, we come to you today. Our Father in heaven. And there's a, there's a holiness aspect even in, in that. You are unlike any father we've had. You are perfect. You are dwelling in, in sovereign power. Your will is, is over this entire world. And so, Father, we pray today, God, that we would treat you as holy that we would holify your name, that we would treat you, we would set you apart, that we would give you the glory, the honor, the thanks, the power, all of which you are worthy of, and nothing else in this world is worthy of those things. So why we wouldn't give all of those things to you when there's nothing else on this earth worthy of them shows, Father, just the foolishness that we can have in our lives. So God, give us the wisdom to, to make you holy in ever, to make your name, to treat you as holy in everything that we do to glorify you in everything, to give you honor in everything, to to fill our lives with thanksgiving to you, to give you all power because you alone are creator and we are but creatures.
Help us, Father, in every area of our life to do this. Let it be a plea because we know what you do to those who do not treat your name as holy. And let it be a promise as well, as we know in faith that you promise to work these things among your people, that this is what you are doing, and we want to be a part of your work. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.